0: Well, thank you. Thank you so much for. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Arnold Hay. Um, today we've got Corey Vaughn and Adam Samaha here with you once again. Uh, this time hanging out in my parents' garage, baby. (laughs) Actually, the sound quality is really great in here. I don't know if you've noticed a difference. Yeah, it's like nearly NPR quality, I'd say. I was going to try to do an impression. That obviously
1: means that what I just told was a lie.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. No, it is. No, no, no. It's definitely NPR quality. Yeah. It's not just my... You know what? It's I, definitely MVR. It quality. is yeah, it's my it's my <laughs> parents' garage, but it's actually within my parents' garage, my sister has an art studio and uh, there's like a kind of a little cubby where we can hang and talk, and that's mm-hmm. where we are right now in my sister's studio. So anyway, welcome to Harold Hay. This is a show uh, where we talk into go into way too much detail about a children's cartoon, which is a cartoon about a football headed kid with a bunch of friends, and they live in an urban environment, and we talk about social issues, um, critical analysis, uh, literary issues, philosophical issues. And Adam's feelings, And Adam's feelings, a little bit of that. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, and you know what, by the end of every episode, we like to say that we figure out that there's a little football head in all of us. Mm -hmm. That's our motto. That is our motto. I think it rolls off the tongue. It does, it's good. That was probably the best thing we've ever done with the show. I think you said that last time too. No, you said something like that was the best thing I've ever said, or something. That might be. There. That might be true. Every episode we have something new that just knocks your socks socks off. Mm-hmm. I hope that's the goal. I have like Harold's memory, which is none. Yeah.
1: Um, that was a uh, Harold reference, in case the listener was wondering.
0: Right. That's good that you remembered his name, because sometimes you forget Harold's name. I do, because Harold and Gerald was poor. It is too. It's yeah, that was bad. Poor go, Craig.
1: If you want to come Stop, on the show no. and defend yourself, Craig, yeah, come right ahead. I, yeah, I dare you. Okay. Step Please. into the lion's den, Craig.
0: A bunch of gotcha questions, Craig. You know, okay, uh, slight tangent. I had, a, I had a friend in high school, Mark, who, uh, so do you all know. He's a doctor now, so he, I think he's doing okay. Yeah, so he gets the last laugh, essentially. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I'm making a podcast in my parents' garage. <laughs> oh. About a children's cartoon. Yeah, about a children's cartoon. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Mark. Uh, there's sorry. shame stirring in my heart right yeah, now. I know, I can feel it. Yeah. It's going through the airwaves. Yeah. Uh, he used to. Uh, it's not even worth saying. I feel like he already had the last laugh. <laughs> he had the, is good, that the was thing. it. We just go on. He had now. the first laugh. I had the middle laugh, which is going to happen right now. And he okay. had the last laugh. The middle laugh is that I'm telling this story. But the first laugh is he got to me. Uh, and this is a good friend of mine, too, but he used to. He wasn't a good friend of mine at this point because he used to he would do something to um oh piss me off get my goat have you heard of that term get get have, someone's yeah. goat he would get he got my goat a lot and uh every time he would say this to me he would he would point at me and he'd go gotcha <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare
1: it and he sounds mean, like
0: a villain or your enemy perhaps not like a friend <laughs> at all there, there was probably a time where we probably felt more like arch arch mm-hmm Great man. Great man saving lives. But he now he's saving lives and he had a one liner in his real life. Yeah. I don't know if he I don't know if he says it at work though. Gotcha. Like to patients. Like, I'm so sorry, you're dying of a rare blood disease. Gotcha. <laughs> that heart surgery went really
1: well. Gotcha. Oh, it that's the in... <laughs> Just kidding, that's how you lose your license. <coughs> yeah. Um this is, wait, what's rocky the show about? Start. We got to set off to a rocky start. No, I here. think
0: it's a good start. It's real. It's real. It is. This is true. our lives, you know? Yeah. What do but we usually Craig, talk about? If
1: you were to come on the show, you'd really brighten Corey's day and you'd make him not feel so bad about himself.
0: Yeah. It, was, it. I'd be, I'd be able to say, gotcha back to Mark. Exactly. Like we right. got Craig on the show. Finally, Craig. Stop complaining to Craig. I don't know. Okay. So this show, like I said, a little football head in all of us. Thank you for, thank you for showing up. We do have an email address. It's hey. Hey, Arnold. Hey at com. We also have a website. Hey, dot com uh, special. Did I already say that my sister that we're in my sister's studio? Yeah, that's what we led with. OK, thanks, Aaron. Uh, thanks, Aaron. She does have a just Google Aaron Vaughn illustration. It's, she's great. Who's a show about us or other people? That's true. Uh, well, actually, it's about Hey, Arnold. It's not about <laughs> us at all. I always forget that. Yeah. Uh, it feels like it's about us. Um, this episode, the first episode we're going to talk about. Oh, it's on Hulu Plus. If you don't know, it's that's the quickest, fastest way to get to it. I think there's like a 30 day free trial. So maybe you just like, I don't know, blast through it. Do right? that
1: and then get dump that email address, get a new email address. Sign Do it, it again. again. Yeah. And you never have to pay. You
0: heard, it, you heard it here first, folks. Or you have a friend like Thomas Cho. Thanks, Thomas Cho. Thanks, Tom. Uh okay so the first episode we're going to talk about is a magic show. The second episode we're going to talk about is 24 hours to live. We'll start with Magic Show. I think is the right order, right? That's the order, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um starts out with Helga in uh her room or something and her mom yells out, "Helga, you got some mail." And I love the line, the first line that she says of this episode. Kind of it, it's her, her whole attitude about life. It's well, well, you know what? I'll just let you listen to it yourself. Helga, could you bring in the mail, please?
1: All <laughs> oh, right, mother. Oh, my toil never cease? I,
0: I like that line because it just—it's an over-the-top, dramatic thing coming from Helga, where she is—she's putting everything else in life below her. So that's—that's that's kind of the theme of this. Uh, how she gets into her little predicament. Starts with this line, will my toils never cease? Uh, <clears throat> so she finds that there's a letter in the mail, which is an invitation to Arnold's magic show, which she goes to uh, kind of already walking in thinking this is going to be dumb. And really, uh, I guess she's it, right. It, it, it it is, right. It's It's a hack show. Yeah. It's so bad. It's a snake, snake oil salesman. That's a thing. That's a thing. But you used it weird. Arnold was the snake oil. Salesman. Yes. Yeah. Kind yeah. of. I mean, Kind of. It was just a hack show, really yeah, bad. I remember, I remember. Um, and by the way, this show is the episode is called Magic Show, but it's not really about that. It's about Helga kind of figuring out some inner psyche stuff, right? Yeah, she's yeah. She's so very interpersonal she, when she when she shows up to this show, she's like pushing people. She does all this mean stuff to people. She ignores her dad's birthday by leaving you know, leaving the house while her mom is making her dad's cake says, I don't, you know, basically by leaving is saying, I don't care about my dad. Then she shows up to this uh, show and pushes people aside. Make way. I give a, I want my seat. Then she push literally pushes Harold her into the dirt and then yells at Phoebe. So mean, just like the meanest you can get saying, U- ultimately you never do anything right. Just because Phoebe didn't save her a seat. And Phoebe even goes, I'm sorry, Helga. I tried. I like, you weren't here okay sorry the stuff was even extreme for helga it it was extreme for helga yeah she i think she literally said the words um you never do anything right yeah which is yeah a little harsh the meanest you could do to your like only friend basically yeah true uh and then she um what's it called uh, when you uh, not catcall to arnold like he, she was like, like razzing him yeah like hazing him basically yeah. uh which to be honest it was a pretty terrible show he tried mm-hmm. to make he tried to make he made steam out of water on a hot plate because that's science doofus yeah doofus um then uh so basically it's a show that arnold sid and gerald are putting on and they're like arnold maybe we should do the piece de resistance let's like do the. let's do the big the big uh the big trick which is this disappearing box it's one of those boxes with like a uh like a curtain shade that covers up the person standing in it so it makes it look like they've disappeared Uh, and so it's like a refrigerator box is what he was using Definitely, yes, um, that they've kind of modified for this trick. And Arnold says, we're going to make somebody disappear. Who wants to do it? And Harold starts this chant that everyone ju- jumps into. Um, make Helga disappear. Make Helga disappear. And Helga goes, fine, make me disappear. And when she gets into the box, she decides, you know what? Well, oh, she hear- No, she hears Gerald say, what if we really made her disappear? And then she goes, you know what? I'm going to actually just like leave this box from the back. And um, she kind of assumes that uh, people are going to care um, that she's gone, that she's gone. And she kind of watches Arnold get kind of, Oh, where did Well, where, where did Helga go? Cause he, he, he thinks she's supposed to pop back on, pop, pop back out of the box and she doesn't. Um, and so she's already kind of excited about what, like what possibly could happen, how people are going to react. So she runs away, runs into a, a, a telephone pole Um, and kind of wakes up clearly the viewer is supposed to know this isn't like, Oh, is she, what's happening here? She, she got knocked out and she's having this like fever dream that isn't really happening, but she is kind of walking around in this daze like state, assuming that it all is real. Um, and in this, in this alternate reality, she has disappeared and nobody cares. There's like a, in fact, not just nobody cares. People are kind of excited about it. Um, so for example, there's like a parade celebrating her disappearance. She goes to her parents' house. Well, her house, and her parents have turned her room into like a lovemaking room, but like also a craft room, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, and then she goes to Phoebe's and there's this alternate version of Helga called Gloria there that Phoebe's now friends with, and her friends at school have made this game making fun of Helga, and then she sees Arnold on this um uh talk show that's like a knockoff of Johnny Carson. Um, and this show uh, basically reveals that Arnold hates Helga and is glad that she's gone and is getting married to Ruth McDougal. So kind of all the things that she's done in real life that are uh, low, low baller moves. Um, she Is that is that a term, low baller? You used it, so let's keep this thing keep going. Keep it going. <laughs> uh, uh, all the things that she did in real life in this dream state, she's seeing kind of, not the ramifications, but what actually people would say if they said what they thought um, after, after that situation. And she kind of has this like Christmas Carol moment. Oh my gosh, what have I done? I've, you know, people, all this bad stuff has happened to me. What is going on? And then she wakes up from her dream and starts to put together the pieces of who, who she is in real life and what her future looks like. If, you know, if she doesn't change and it's kind of the base reading is that I think is accurate that she, looking back at this um, concussion dream is, Oh, the way I treat others has ramifications and I need to kind of take that step forward to make it right. And so she kind of does these like really quick, cheap ways to make this right. She buys a gift for her, buys a gift for her dad. She um, buys flowers for Phoebe and then tries to apologize to everyone. She, you know, pops out of the refrigerator box and says, ta-da. And then looks at Arnold and says, boy, You're sure a great magician. And then it tries to apologize to everybody. Everybody ignores her, including Arnold. And so you see the very end is her dealing with both knowing that treating others well is a good thing. But also this inner rage that she, even when she knows that she shouldn't be doing it, the inner rage comes out and she yells at Arnold again and walks away. And that's comedy. It's funny. But also it, you can see the struggle that she's having. Um, trying to be a good person, trying to care for others, but at the same time trying to balance her rage, balance her anger in a way that's healthy. Um, yeah, I think that's a very quick example, but there's stuff I want to, this is a great episode and I have stuff I want to jump into, but, um, hopefully that's a good enough summary to help you guys kind of match.
1: That was a very good summary, Corey, as usual. Thanks, man. Um, there was something about this episode I was just thinking about as you were explaining it. Um. Where there's something about this sort of concussion dream that she has where she's almost experiencing from others what she does to them. So she lives in this way where she, she has little to no filter. So she says and does the things that she thinks and she feels. And there's certain ramifications of that, which is some of them. And I mean, sorry, an example of that is when there's the opportunity for her to disappear, every, all of her peers want her to disappear so that's like a an element of that but i think or like a negative side of that i think but i think she through that dream gets to see almost what it would be like if everybody expressed basically all at once how they felt about her hmm. sort of in the way that she always expresses how she feels about other people so i think it's different because there's more of like a surrealist bent to it and it's more of like um everybody sort of on the same page of like hurrah uh, Helga's gone like all at once, whereas her whole life is kind of
0: like similar to that in my mind. I don't know if that makes any sense. So are you saying her her attitude towards others is the way that every everyone's everyone's attitude towards attitude towards her all at once in this surrealist dream is the way she treats others all the time?
1: Essentially, yeah. Like she has a feeling and she expresses it immediately, and there's no filter. So it's almost like everybody is having the same feeling at once and expressing it at once, which is like a el- small element of her personality mm. that she's seeing on a larger scale thrown back to her or Dude, that's what interesting. Her.
0: And I haven't thought of that at all. And I think just from the idea that her, when you dream, everything in your dream is you. Yeah. Like you are creating that. And so it makes sense that the way she views herself in the dream through these other characters is going to is going to put on the same tone as her. Yeah. It's like it's right?
1: reflecting her back to her. Yes. She doesn't yes. like it. Yep. And mm-hmm. then she wants to change it, but then she realized no one's that interested in her changing it. Cause they just don't believe her. They don't, be- they don't believe her. It's,
0: I mean, it's not realistic. I, yeah. They're not, it's going to take several times of her showing these dramatic changes for people to go, Oh, you're a different person. Um, well,
1: it's almost like the episode where they do the makeovers in the past and Helga starts acting like this grown up woman and Phoebe hates that she's not herself anymore and desperately wants her to be herself mm. again. And so there's almost like there is g- good elements of her personality and her being the way that she is. Absolutely. But then there's a lot of bad pepper throughout. Um but I feel like the Gloria, who is like her like ideal form of herself. Yes. Through other other people's eyes probably and her own. But this is obviously right. her, her dream dream. Yeah. So but there's something I was thinking about that character that was interesting is that she's fairly boring. Like Gloria seems very nice, but there's like right. two scenes in a row where her thing is baking cookies and giving totally. those cookies away. So it's almost like she's cuter quote unquote, because she's a cartoon and she has like less depth. Like Helga has extreme oh, depth. Extreme. Yeah. And this girl probably because she's changed so much, doesn't have that depth. Mm. Cause there's like an emotional depth to Helga that can go to dark places. But then there's also like, romantic sides to right, it, intellectual right. sides to it. Mm. But Gloria probably is doing without all those things
0: there. And there's so there's actually mm, a lot to be said just about uh, the character of Gloria within Helga's dream. Um, and I, I think first I want like, listen, listen just to uh, the first scene with Gloria and kind of listen to the voice of Helga and the voice of Gloria. And then I want to talk about that.
1: Phoebe, old pal! It's me! <laughs> Phoebe? Oh, Gloria, you're the best friend I've ever had. Gloria? Who's Gloria? This chump? Is this Gloria? And I saved a special seat for you right next to me because you're my newest and best friend in the whole world. Ah. Have some of the cookies I baked you. Thank you. My old best friend never made me cookies. She wasn't very nice. I don't think she even liked me that much. What was her name? Who? Me! Your old best friend? Oh, uh, wait. Um. Helga! Hera?
0: Helga! No, no, no. Henrietta? No, Helga! No, that wasn't it. Oh, well, who cares? (laughs) So, aside from content, which is great, you know, it's offering cookies and Phoebe forgetting the name, um, I think the... Deep down, the most interesting part of this is that the the creators of the show decided to have the same voice of Helga voice Gloria. So this isn't a stranger. This is this is not this is not just Helga's um, kind of arch nemesis that she's created for herself. It's also like I said, how how your dreams are you. Gloria is Helga. She's so by having the same person be the voice they're connected even deeper than just Helga's kind of weird alternative reality version of herself, that, that meaning becomes even deeper by having it be the same voice. So that's kind of like an example of their connection. Um, But I think if you, if you're, if you're considering feminist ramifications, if you're considering the ideal woman, the ideal friend, the ideal daughter, um, Gloria is in part, like you said, probably what others wish Helga was, but more likely it's what Helga assumes people think she should be, which yeah. is this giving person, which is this put together person. Uh, the voice is slightly higher. The voice is, um, less, um, less raspy and angry. Um, it, she's painting a picture for herself in her brain. Like this is who I'm supposed to be, which is a deeply flawed view of self, um, especially considering it's, and you know, she's processing stuff in this dream. It's not all, it's not all health or unhealth. It's, it's surreal, but you can tell just through that, that there, um, that she's figuring out who she wishes she could be, whether that's healthy or not.
1: Yeah. And I think that there's, this is probably a thing. I mean, this whole episode is pretty interesting because I think people think about this sort of situation all the time. Like, how would people feel about me if I was gone? Um, And, but I think what's kind of interesting about that, her constructing the character of Gloria, and Gloria seeming to be the way that she was, is that this is, like, a very surface-level version of this, but it's, like, almost like when people get plastic surgery. So, like, Mm. you have a person that has, like, say, a bump in their nose or something in, in, in their nose that they don't think to be perfect, but they would feel more confident, they think, by smoothing that bump to make the nose more like other people's noses. Ah. So it's like there's this, like, universal, supposed universal, like, a concept of beauty, mm. and you want to conform to whatever that is. But you don't realize that if everybody did that, everybody would just look the same, and, and the whole situation would be boring, and <clears throat> beauty would be very strange and monotonous, which I think popular culture beauty to some degree is that way. Right. Right. Um, but I feel like there's like a few different looks probably even yeah. within popular culture, but um there's this thing that like people aspire to be like uh, the ideal male, the ideal woman. Yes. And, um but I think if everybody were that thing, it would no longer be special and it would, or supposedly special and it wouldn't hold the same weight. And I think Gloria probably, it seems to be that sort of just vacant character mm. that is visually appealing and it's kind of what Helga thinks she wants, but like we said, I said earlier, it doesn't offer that
0: depth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that there are two sides to this dream. And I think like, it's like a loose. So the way like a Freudian version of this, like a psycho psychoanalyst dream, a version of this dream, like uh, talking about it would be, there's, there's the overt uh, meaning of it. And then there's an under a deeper subconscious meaning that um, she doesn't even realize she's processing. And so what, when She finishes the dream, she says, Oh my gosh, the way I tr-, she doesn't say this, I, she but basically, along the lines of, Oh, I treat people like crap, I should not treat people like crap. I've there are ramifications, and that's the easy read that I get that anyone who watches this episode gets. She's learning something, um, in the dream, but I think with a little bit of d- digging deeper, the covert, the underground, the subconscious thing that she hasn't realized herself because she didn't say it, she it didn't even cross her mind, but it's absolutely there is that she is navigating, um, gender constructs. She's navigating, um, ident like self identity. Um, she's navigating. I think the connecting point is that, and this is the positive part, um, that a quote feminine thing. That's good is a giving nature. Now it's kind of annoying that it's cookies because that is very, um, like gendered, gendered but, if quote feminine, which at its best is a conversation on what does it mean to be feminine? Maybe it's um, like anyone's uh, sensitive side. It's anyone's male or female. It's anyone's uh, giving side where you're um, you, you put others before yourselves in a, in a sacrificial way or whatever. I think that's the positive thing that comes out of it. And that's the connecting point. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm like, well, obviously I always overthink this. Um, But that's the only connecting point. I think mostly the obvious thing that she's learning is treating people. Nice is good. It's healthy and, and, and you'll get nice back. Not nice. You'll get treating people with kindness. You'll, you'll receive kindness from that. And then the underground thing is her figuring out. Yeah. Construct. I think
1: like a good physical, um, sort of, uh, manifestation of this is how they change her hair. So Helga has like her sort of crazy jutted sort of uh, pigtails that she has, right? With a unibrow. With a unibrow. And Gloria doesn't have that. She has sort of like a normal like 1950s blonde sort of. She's the stereotypical
0: woman. Exactly. Whereas Helga's this tomboy
1: girl. Yeah. I guess. Like you were saying, like there's like a level of masculinity and anger that's like blended into Helga's character. Um, and so when she has created the ideal version of herself, all that stuff is smoothed out. Yes. Like her hair is, her hair is completely different. And even the the way she speaks, like you said, is very different. And yeah, it sort of speaks to that, like navigating oneself, like what Mm -hmm. does it mean and feel to come to terms with oneself? And it almost to some degree, she, when she comes back from out of the, the box or whatever, like she has reappeared through the magic trick when she comes out of the closet. Is yeah, that the right term. Yeah, that is. You okay. did that right. Thanks. Um. Yeah. When <laughs> she comes uh, out of, uh, she comes to the other end of the magic trick. She goes to apologize and to right all of her wrongs, like in a very short sequence. Um. But it's almost like when she says, like, "Ah, screw it." And it's what is it worth? It's almost like she's like coming to a re- realization that that isn't her, but that there's like a freedom in that, and that she's like embracing herself for as she is. And it seems maybe at at first glance, like it's a negative thing. Like, oh, look at her. She's lazy. She um you know, doesn't want to be like a better person. But I think maybe to some degree, she thinks she realizes that it's just that stuff is good. And she recognizes that it is important to be nice, but that there's like way more to it than that. And that there is some value in her being the way she is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, she, she is a, a character of depth um, and complexities and Gloria is not. Um, so maybe the, yeah, there's, there is this like subconscious squashing of who she really is. Um, and it's cool to see her not completely let that go. Yeah. Um, the other, so the other thing I was thinking about a lot were, well, two narratives, three, I was definitely thinking of a Christmas Carol. Um, but the two I've been thinking about more. One is, um, Tom Sawyer. Have you heard that book before Adam? I know. No, I don't read books. Mark Twain. No, no prequel to Huckleberry Finn. No, Mm. American classic. No, nothing. Mm. Okay. You know what? Forget it. Let's just call this whole thing off. Kidding, guys. Uh, Tom Sawyer. There's the there's the scene where uh, this is the 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 chapter where they fake their own death. Um, Tom uh, Sawyer, Joe. I don't remember Joe's last name. And then Huc- Huckleberry Finn. They fake their death, and the whole town, after hating them, it kind of is the opposite of what this episode is. But the whole town who hates these three knucklehead boys. Um, put on this beautiful funeral and Tom and these other two guys are up in the like rafters or something watching, uh, watching their own funeral, which is, you know, very poetic and et cetera. And the, you know, the, the great moment is when they reveal themselves not to be dead and everybody, uh, you know, cries and is hugging them except Huck isn't hugged and he is kind of left, left aside. And the quote that makes me think of Helga a lot is, um, Tom, Tom says, I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, here we go. Uh, it ain't fair. Somebody's got to be glad to see Huck. And so they kind of like, uh, oh, that's right. Um, Huck is a person too. And I think the scene of like seeing your own funeral is what Helga's going through. But I think she feels more like Huck than she does Tom. And that's, nobody's really glad. Nobody's, when she shows up and comes out of the um, refrigerator box, she doesn't, get this warm welcome that she was hoping for, which she knew she wasn't going to get to an extent, but even after apologizing and like kind of bending over backwards to make these people feel like, Hey, I'm learning, I'm changing. Even with that, they still don't even give her the time of day. And so I think it's tragic. um, And it's a tragic nod to Tom Sawyer, um, you know, to that, uh, to that little scene. So I thought of Tom Sawyer, the other thing, which is a lot more um, not clear, but like evident, I guess is that's the same word, huh? clear and evident <laughs> sort of Yeah. Okay. Uh, is it's a wonderful life. There's even a moment where Helga sees the newspaper and it says it's a wonderful life without Helga. Uh, and I don't know, should I give like a quick summary of, I don't, if it's a wonderful life, I don't think I need to, everyone's seen it, right? Yeah. And they can, fi- they can figure it out. It's sort yeah. of the same, similar deal, a similar deal. Um, except I, the, the short version is just that a character is very angry about his life, George Bailey. And he wants to, commit suicide and um a guardian angel shows him what his life would be like if he never existed. So there's a similar tone to this definitely. Um and I was like Googling uh like critical analyses of uh It's a wonderful life because I just think it I think it is connected. Um and I the, I'm gonna nerd out more on this American life or not this American life. Uh, it's a wonderful <laughs> oh my gosh. Great podcast. Uh it's a wonderful life. Um, and and then I want to take that nerd out and kind of violently place it onto this episode and see if it fits. Are you down to listen to this quote? Okay. So this is from a, uh, um, an periodical, uh, I think it was on salon.com. Um, but the name, the name of the article was, it's a wonderful life, the most terrifying movie ever. And it's by Rich Cohen. Uh, And he writes a little, there's this one bit that I just found really interesting at the, at the end, um, George realizes in the, in the movie, he realizes that he actually does mean something. And he, it's important that he exists uh, and he should be connecting with friends and family. Um, and so he runs home, uh, to like basically see his family. And, and, you know, there's all this like revelry and they sing. as I said, old sein? Uh, and so this guy writes this long article about it, but this one paragraph really stood out to me. Uh, that's why in the last scene, George looks at his friends with terror. He's happy to be alive, he's disillusioned wised up in just the worst way he finally knows the world as it really is what his friends are capable of the dark potential coiled in each of them his wife is a spinster in potterville pottersville because if she's not with george she cannot be anything she's just one of two characters who are in fact the same in both worlds the other being mr potter everyone else is two-faced masked simply put george has been cursed with knowledge shown the truth of the world seen hidden things it's the sort of vision that makes a person go insane I'm, I want to say what I think about it. What do you think, Adam?
1: Well, I think there's a few things that are interesting with that. I think that uh, there's obviously the connection there because there's the visual connection in the episode itself. Right, right. Um, but I think that there's... That's a really interesting like bit that you just read. And I think there's a few different ways that I feel about it. One is that I think, to some degree, we love to f- fantasize and fetishize, I guess our value and our importance in the cosmos and like in the universe and in in, in our in in like our peers lives and our family's lives and stuff and i think like a sad realization is although we do love and care for everybody or or for one another that life goes on after one leaves Mm -hmm. and life should go on like it's really a terrible situation if your life is the thing, the glue, that's holding together an entire town. You know
0: what I mean? Which is definitely George Bailey. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think that, so I think it's good to some degree that we love and we care for one another, but we're able to pick up and move on, even if we're sad and slightly broken right, after right. whatever happens. Uh, the other thing is, is, I think, what's interesting about that quote, and I haven't seen that in a long, that movie in a very long time. Oh, yeah, me neither. Years. Um, but that, I think the, the, the terrifying part of that is that, Everybody thinks, or a lot of people think, or maybe it's just paranoid people, and I am slightly in that category, um, is that when you have an interaction with somebody, that you're hoping the way that they're responding to you is the way they actually feel. And I think some moments you have an interaction with somebody and you leave feeling like that fell off. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to mold this over for a couple of days. You know what I mean? Until it eats away at my brain and my psyche.
0: I wish I could remember. I think did. I'm
1: in good company with that. You,
0: yes. I, there was such a good, I want to see if I can find it. Keep talking. Okay. There's a great tweet um, that I saw. That was amazing.
1: So that, that there's something to that. And I think in that quote and his, that person's analysis of that movie and that story is sort of that character being able to see that that was actually a reality that mm-hmm. these, the, you, you want to take pe- people for how they seem but there's obviously way more depth and complexity to people. Right. And a lot, there's a lot of darkness that a lot of people carry mm-hmm. and a lot of people hold. And there are some good people, but a lot of people have very sort of dual realities and personalities and things like that. And one may be good and one maybe not so good. Um, so I think there's a sort of a terrifying side to that. And I think that's why, for whoever's out there, the gr- almighty creator has made it so we only live on one plane. So we're only able to see so much because how could you go throughout life... Like that's what, like in that article saying knowing everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you'd never be able to like
0: enjoy a moment mm. because you'd see in no way too much. Knowing, knowing it's a little bit of the butterfly butterfly effect. Like mm-hmm. the that power is so it's a heavy burden. And so it makes sense that someone like George Bailey would be like, Oh my gosh, I am the glue holding this town together or I'm like, like I do have enough, eff- like every decision I make has an effect, right? Well,
1: I think in a micro levels, life actually does work that way. Mm-hmm. But I, I think on a macro perspective, it's a little bit different, but I think like it, it's, yeah, it's like you have an idea and you express it to somebody. You never know how that idea is going to like weasel its way into their brain, and into their life. Mm-hmm. Like, so there is, there is a power that we all hold in that sense. Yeah. But I think that. I mean, it's a story, so they have to like uh, expand that and blow yeah. that idea up, you know.
0: Yeah, um, the t- I found the tweet. It's by Erin Mallory Long. She's a comedian. Um, I think she's based in LA. Uh, it's a so it's a it's a conversation between her and anxiety. Anxiety, you up? Me, unintelligible groan. Anxiety, remember that one girl you might have offended back in two thousand seven? Me, I'm up. I'm up. That's that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. It's it's, it's knowing that everything that you um, I deal with what she's talking about. I deal with that for sure. Yeah. Um. And you make these assumptions both in a grandiose way, like a, a um, delusion of grandeur, like, oh, definitely what I said to that girl in 2007 is still weighing her the way it weighs me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also it likely does in some ways you do like your decisions do have consequences. Your, yeah. The way you treat others does have consequences. It
1: does. I think there's a bit of, I think in that sort of, neuroses or anxiety there's a bit of an ego thing there and i think Absolutely. there's also like a heavy pride thing mm-hmm. and i think that makes sense because that's just how we are and some people deal with that more than others because i know a lot of times i have that it's where i've said something i've like misspoke and i said something in a way that didn't get my point across and then i'll run that over over into my head like i should have said it this way because then they would have really understood but truth of the matter is they probably don't give a shit like they were probably only 50 percent listening to whatever i was saying yeah, anyways yeah. so they don't care if i flipped a word you know what i mean so but
0: it still rolls over in your head forever forever um yeah so oh man i mean i i don't know oh something else i saw that was interesting so i was looking at both tom sawyer and it's a wonderful life right mm-hmm. uh i just happened to be I, I found the connecting point between those two stories there's at the end of It's Wonderful Life, he finds a book uh, of Tom Sawyer, which is what Clarence carries around for part of the movie. Clarence is the angel, uh, the guardian angel. And in the book, um, he's signed a... uh, He's signed it in the... The angel is signed in the book a quote from Mark Twain, which I hope I wrote it down because it's a really good one that really jumps into this... uh, Dang, where did I put it? Oh, it's so good. It's basically about anyone who has friends like you will be blessed with friends. Like if you have friends, you're, you're going to be okay. Um, and I totally botched that quote, but it's a quote about how friendship will give you a rich life. Um, so I had no idea that those two narratives were connected. Um, and then I think they're connected also to this one too, that Helga is realizing that friendships are cultivated and um, poured into. Uh, maybe that's what she's, maybe that's what she's pulling from, from Gloria from her like altered ego, which is partly herself She's seeing that pouring into others isn't a bad thing. Um, now Helga's going to do that with more depth and thought. Uh,
1: and I think that what's cool about, uh, or not cool at all, but what, what's interesting about this episode is that it shows you like the, the isolation and loneliness that she has. Mm. Because if she can have like a concussed dream like that, that, you know that in some way in her psyche that she's thinking about that often. And knows that her actions aren't the best actions, but it's just what happens, anyways. And that those types of actions can create some sort of isol- isolation. And uh, it's yeah, really manifests in
0: the the dream. What is it called? It's a um, type of uh, um, like yoga therapy. Kind of, it's like a uh, in the same way that you know yoga helps you understand your body. Um, there's something kind of similar to that where you scream, like oh, the primal scream. Primal scream therapy, right? Yeah, yeah. I have lots of theories about Helga screaming. Um, and Ooh. one is tied to the primal scream and the other is tied to like an abject fear. Um, and I think they come together. I've noticed that there's a certain scream she does anytime she... She had two different screams, two different types of screams in this episode. One was like a guttural yell that isn't one she usually does. And that's what she did when um when Arnold kisses Ruth on the on the television. Um, and it's not one you've heard before. It just seems sort of like her... like her worst nightmare is happening and that's her true love is marrying somebody else. But the other scream, which she screams twice in the episode, both happens when her sense of self is being, um, actively pushed against, uh, or denied really. Um, and so I think the place, the two things that are happening here, one is that her, her character. Hmm. Okay. So the examples are when glory, when Phoebe can't remember Helga's name, and she just says, oh, oh well, it doesn't really matter. And then the second time is when the kids are um, creating the game, making fun of making fun of Helga, kind of lessening her value to like a, a children's game. And the other one I can remember, I'm sure there are others in the series, but one that I remember is uh, when her bubblegum bust of Arnold is taken out of her closet and her closet kind of represents her deep psyche, probably, she does that same scream because she realizes that she's been violated. Um, And actually, I think the other one is when she realizes she loses her book, which has all of her deep secrets. And I, I'm going to kind of track how she screams that particular scream in this show. But I think it's any time her, her sense of self is being denied or pushed against, which is like some deep feminist theory, um, some theories of the abject of, of the other. um, And where I think it connects with the primal uh, scream therapy. Is that what it's called? Sure. Is that she is by screaming her like most Aggressive scream. She's saying, "I am here. I exist." Right? Is that is that a reach? Tell yeah. Me.
1: No. I no. I think that makes sense, and I think that also what you're hearing, and I, I see what you're saying. I think it's just like a,
0: a uh, she's just hurt. Yeah. Oh. So it's like that, the way that, 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 yeah. that's the, that's the the dumb, per- and I'm I'm not calling you dumb. No. 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 That's the dumb person way of saying what I just said, which is she's been she's been hurt and violated, and she's letting people know about it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
1: But I think there is a pr- like the the, the phrase primal scream like uh, there's a reason it's it's called a primal scream and i think it's like when an animal is injured yes they let out this sort of it's like it's almost like an existential thing it's like you're just yelling into the void yes and so i think that there's something where yeah her psyche is being crushed mm-hmm. and so it's it's like almost yeah it's it's similar to how something would like manifest physically but it's like yeah her psyche is being destroyed well and it's and not ego.
0: it's So I think the reason it's different from the other scream, her other scream, it's an attack on like this pipe dream she has, which is she one day wants to marry Arnold. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not actually her. There's something about her relationship with Arnold that's deeper that is her, but it's not whether or not Arnold marries her. There's something else going on. Um, So I think when she screams there, it's not the same. These other moments she's being having her best friend forget her name it's not just that she's looking at a sign that says no Helga. It's that her best friend is saying, I don't even know who Helga is. Helga doesn't exist. And she's that, that guttural um, primal scream that she gives, like you said, is an existential thing. It's her um, saying I am here, I guess. And I think that um,
1: when she comes out of the refrigerator box and she's like make trying to make her amends, There's a point where she's about to express how she feels to Arnold, to him, like about her love for him or her liking of him or whatever, however she's going to say it. But she can't muster up the courage to do it. So she's just like, "Ah, what's it all worth? And she just walks away. And I think that that, to me, that inability to communicate how you feel, Mm -hmm. if you can't do that. You're more likely than to scream in other situations. Yeah, because screaming is primal, and it's uh, you not being able to articulate how you feel. Oh my gosh, yes. So I think
0: I'm like nerding out hard on this right now. It's really (laughs) good.
1: I think it's interesting. Yeah, Yeah. but and I think I've actually known people in my life that have done that. Like people, adults that when they get so worked up, they let out like a scream like that, and or like a groan, like Uh. uh, like a thing like that. And it's a thing you associate with a child in my mind, because a child can't articulate themselves very well right. and doesn't have the power to articulate themselves very well. And so in circumstances where I've asked to someone, like, why do you respond that way? Like, it doesn't make sense to me because I have a sense tendency to over-talk and over-communicate when I'm upset. All right, shut up, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and what they said to me was that I, it's because I feel powerless. So Oh, man. Yeah, so yeah. I think that there is something to that where it's yeah, Yeah. it's like your ego is being destroyed or questioned and there, that's your guttural primal response is to let out a yell like that. And I think if she had the ability and to articulate herself in a different way, then she wouldn't have to do that because Mm -hmm. like Arnold and the other characters, when they go through problems, they like kind Arnold kind of yells sometimes, but it's really like for dramatic effect, like between scenes, you know, like as they're like bleeding to another scene and stuff like that. Yeah. If something goes wrong. Um, but it seems like it's very integral to her character because it shows this like inability to,
0: uh, communicate. She wants to say like, I'm here. I exist. That wounded me. Um, that hurt. Uh, but she doesn't know how to like say that in a way that's like clear and concise. And so instead she just kind of yells out mm-hmm. that guttural scream. Yeah. But high pitched guttural scream. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's kind of an iconic scream from that show and it face level. It is so funny. Yeah. It's it is. so funny. I, um, okay. Truth. Uh, to be honest, I have not much for the next episode. So I do have one more thing for this episode. <laughs> so it's kind of heavy. We're a little front heavy on the front end this time. Um, but I have one more thing I want to, I want to think about, and that's, um, kind of all the, oh, if we like, I want to look at this dream from a Lacan, uh, who's, he's kind of a counter counter, mm, he's around at the same time as, as Freud, um, but he's a little bit different. And I want to look at the dream in that way. Um, and it goes even to like some post-structuralist stuff about the liminal space, um, between, uh reality and non-reality uh which is what this dream is she uh, on the on the on the base level she's this ghost like thing who has a body but no one sees her um so it's like does she exist does she not exist um and it was something that lacan likes to look at when he's looking at dreams or narrative not him specifically but people who uh <clears throat> look at work from his perspective um they're always looking for contrary meanings, uh, not meanings, um, contradictory. Yeah. Contradictory meanings and contradictory existences existences, which is also a post-structuralist thing. Um, so like I said, just Helga existing, but not existing as a ghost as part of it. Um, her seeing the sign that says no Helga, but it's her dream. So like the sign is Helga she, and then she's standing in front of the sign. So it's like, this crazy like contradictory moment um that kind of goes against what you think it means so you look at that you go oh man like this is a like f- like a terrible world where it says no helga that's really mean to helga oh wait it is helga so it it pushes against itself really strongly and that's fascinating um the 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 other thing is um her her saying hey victim to this random guy uh and then putting her hand through and not existing so part of it is her the, this liminal state where she her body passes through other other bodies, but even her saying, hey, victim to a dude and then realizing that she herself is the victim that she's, I guess, dead or, or doesn't exist. So she's calling everyone else the victim when in reality, I think she is in that scene. Uh, and then the last thing is that the over, and I mentioned it already, the overt meaning kind of goes against the underground meaning. Um, one being she's trying to figure out how to be a better person. Um, but what actually she's thinking about is what does it mean to be a better person? And those things in a lot of ways go against each other because the viewer knows that with enough thought that Gloria is this alternate kind of empty version of, of Helga. Um, so I think even, even just the two, the above the the obvious meaning and the not obvious meaning kind of push against each other as well. Um, so I I don't know I think the dream is an this dream is an interesting set of contradictions that not only prove that it's a dream but show how much turmoil she's going through.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna do something we've never done on the show before. Sure, I'm gonna to smash together the two episodes. Sure. So I'm gonna give really quick a brief summary of the second episode, which but do you is you have a, some ideas from the second episode. I do. Yeah. Cool. So I have a uh, the because I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the class the the second episode is a classic. It's the uh, don't hit me, all hit me scene where um, they're playing. Uh, baseball in like the empty space in front of the house or, or from the apartments sure. or whatever, and Jer um, or uh, Harold starts making fun of Arnold for being a terrible terrible baseball and being Arnold. a terrible hitter, yeah, and just mocking him and everyone's sort of mocking him, uh, and then he makes this like a uh, familial jab at the grandmother and says something about her being crazy, like is she the one that taught you how to play baseball because you suck at it, hmm. and so he like gets this like the bat finally connects with the ball. The ball hits. That's a
0: Wow. Poetry did poetry. <laughs>
1: yeah. The, uh, and then the ball connects with, uh, Harold's face and he gets knocked out. There's a little goofy scene about him being out and then coming back, coming to, um, back to reality essentially. And then confronting Arnold in uh, a confrontational manner wanting to fight him to like right the wrong of Arnold hurting him essentially. Uh, Helga steps in and tries to mediate the situation briefly, which turns into like not making it worse, but just prolonging the suffering essentially <laughs> where she's like, we'll meet in 24 hours. And there's this gag going through that. She's like finding ways to tell him the time that the clock is ticking. And if you really care, you'll watch the episode. <laughs> so that that's that. At it's, that point. it's very funny. It is funny. Yeah. And it takes up a lot of the episode actually. And then w- Arnold goes to sleep. This is like tying into the dream thing. Ah, you were talking about. And he goes to sleep and he's like really worried. So he has this like is in this very stressful situation. He falls asleep and he has this dream, this is then again a surrealist dream, where he's running on these rooftops essentially, being chased by uh Harold and Helga and I think a few other people. And he climbs to the top of this building, rips off the antenna, which then turns into a baseball bat because they're playing baseball. And then he kind of goes crazy, and it freaks everybody out. And he gets this idea like, I can't beat him in strength, but I can beat him in craziness. So he plays his dumb song and dances around and scares the shit out of uh, Harold. And then Harold like, is kind of over it, and is like, you're crazy. Do you want to join our club? And then they become (laughs) buddies, and then he tells these other kids to fight. So that's the episode in a nutshell. But I think what's interesting there is that Again, it deals with like a dream, like this is right. like a gen- like a more stereotypical dream where he's actually sleeping. It's not like a concussed yeah. dream. And um, but what's interesting in this dream and kind of what you were talking about is the the dream in, in this scenario like allows him to t- to tap into something that and go somewhere so- like uh, mentally that he was not able to go to in like a normal state. Because he is like basically in, like in a cloud of all of the anxiety and stress of the situation that he's found in. Him sleeping allows him to go to this other level where he can kind of view the situation in this very abstract manner mm. and extrapolate something from it, which is that he needs to like reorient his, how he's going to respond. Like, he can't respond because he can't fight and beat him. But how is he going to do it? And it's almost like another part of his psyche that he taps into enables him to go there to figure out what to do. And arms himself with more knowledge, which enables him to win. And I think there's something to that where, in the first episode, Helga is, like, between spaces, essentially. Mm-hmm. She's not dead or alive. She's, like, this weird in-between thing. And I don't mean, like, mm-hmm. a zombie or some shit like that. No, but she's
0: she's floating in, like, purgatory. Yeah,
1: essentially. And... I think there's um, there's something to dreaming that in it in itself is that way. It's like we are obviously still existing because we our bodies are there and our our whole being is intact. But psychologically, we're in a completely different zone, and you're able to tap into things you can't do right, in right. your normal day to day. And in our situation, and I think in everybody else's, it's almost equally as important as your sort of coherent normal life because it allows your body and brain to recharge, but Mm -hmm. it also allows you to like escape and have some sort of, it's almost experimental Mm -hmm. in a way it's allow you to attack different issues of your life without the idea of ego. Almost it's like you're, you are in control because it is your dream, but you have very limited control. Right. So it's like you're being shown through something but you're still learning and, and experiencing as you're going along. You're processing through
0: yourself without y- yourself to stop you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or without having too much control. Hmm. So, and, and I think that there is something to that because I know early on when they were doing like scientific studies of LSD, they were talking a lot about that, like that drug allowing you to go between spaces right. mentally and go to places that you typically only access through dreaming while you're asleep, but you're able to do this while you're awake. And part of that idea is that people think, and not ever this happened, this doesn't happen to everybody, obviously, but that like you can shed your ego that way. Right. And it helps you to because it allows you to look at things from a different perspective. And I think there's something to that with these two episodes where
0: they're like attacking a similar idea. They are similar, but um, I also obviously between Arnold and Helga Arnold, it kind of works for Arnold because he manages to stop H- Harold from, uh, you know, attacking him. Uh, Helga tries and just fails because um, everyone kind of ignores her and Arnold snaps at her for good reason. She was gone for 73, you know, tries uh, or however many. Um, yeah. I mean, it, but, but you're right. They're, they're doing a similar thing. They're doing it in slightly different ways, um, but they're both trying to kind of figure out who, who they are and how to get out of the situations that they put them put themselves in
1: it almost makes sense that uh helga didn't like make a 180 afterward because what she has to make a 180 on is like deeply rooted in who she is as a person where arnold's is more of just like a problem solving (laughs) thing
0: (laughs) which uh the grandpa's all his, all his advice is so good always like walking through Oh, I know exactly the problem you're going through, but I have no idea how to get out of it. He's really good at like uh, a diagnosis, but mm-hmm. he's like terrible at how to like solve the problem. I have no idea. Yeah. It's so good. And then Grandma's usually is kind of the opposite. She she has some good advice on on like practical advice, but she does not understand what's really going on. Well, and she gets there in a very roundabout way usually. Yeah, totally. Um I guess the only this episode was okay, but the one thing I'll say that I loved about it is how Quickly, it wrapped up and not bad writing, like good, normal. This is how nine-year-old boys would wrap this up is Harold going, whoa, you are crazy. Do you want to join our club? Like, I think I've done that before. Hated somebody, but then all of a sudden didn't hate somebody for a, a, a non-reason. Right?
1: Yeah. It's like as quickly as his anger appeared, it also disappeared. Yeah.
0: And yeah. and Helga saying boys are so dumb is such a gendered comment. I mean, come on. No, but actually I loved that comment because she was the one wrapped up in this more than, Harold and Harold and Arnold, right? But
1: she was like manipulating it for her own amusement. For so her own amusement, like, I know. I think initially, I think initially, it's she was protecting Arnold. Yeah, but she couldn't let that go on for too long, no. or else it would. She would have been found out because everyone goes, "Ooh!" Like they knew. Like it's always so close to her. Oh, I love boom, it. Yeah, she flips
0: it. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. The keeper of the keys is really brainy. Brainy knows she. He's always there when Helga's is talking about Arnold. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe an episode uh, doesn't happen. Where, you know, Brainy reveals it all. I wish that would happen. It doesn't. Uh, we've talked a long time about a cartoon. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks. Um, do you want to do the old cry of the week? Or is oh, shoot. Yeah, yeah. Butterfly? No, let's do it really quick. Let's okay. do it. We don't have to talk long about it. Do you, know, do you have one or no? You have one, probably. Yeah, I do. Uh, it was... Uh, in The first one, it was helga i think just helga realizing when she wakes up from the dream i mean there are moments throughout the dream that are like very sad and touching but i think her realizing that her the way she treats others has deep ramifications is a really um it's it's what makes this show great which is character development she's she's moving forward she's moving ahead and even if it doesn't succeed 100 percent, she now her character now exists with that knowledge of who of 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 the way her character and personality works. So I don't know, maybe like, like two tears of not joy, but like pride, right? Pride tears, pride tears. Yeah. I'd have to say that's,
1: that's probably, no, I have my own. I almost was just for the sake of time, just getting that piggyback. They're already listening, right? (laughs) But, um, it's probably that moment where, uh, Phoebe sort of, Uh, in the dream in the uh, concussed dream she sort of flips on helga and because i feel like for helga that's like the ultimate betrayal
0: which is she's gone through that before she's gone through it before it is a fear re-manifesting itself exactly and i think that that's the
1: the only person i think she feels that really understands her is phoebe and and takes her as she is sure and so uh without her she'd be super lost and i think yeah, that I think is probably the saddest moment because I think everybody kind of has that mm. uh, with friends or loved ones or whatever it is. Um, like people you really lean on. And then if you figured out it was really easy for them to just be like, "Bah, I don't even remember their name. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty heartbreaking. That's good. That's good. So,
0: yeah. So I'm going to the old two cries, too, or two tears. Two tears. Not two yeah, cries. Not two Less cries. Less than one cry. Two tears. For sure. Oh. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Hey Arnold Hay. Um, we'll be back soon. Uh, email us at hey.hernoldhay at gmail.com. Website is HeyArnoldHey.com and we only have two episodes left for the season. Yeah. And the last one's amazing. I haven't watched the second to last episode in a long time. I know one of the episodes is called Biodome, which is like a knockoff of Biodome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or no, Biosphere is the name of the episode. It's a knockoff uh, of Biodome. Bio-Dome. Okay. Uh, I don't The other one is part time friends, I think. Anyway, there's we got good stuff coming down the line, especially in these next two episodes. So please stay tuned. Rate review, like, etc. Tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening or day
1: or lunch break or drive home. It's cool that you can listen to this at any time. It is on demand. Future. All right. Bye, you guys. Bye-bye. Mom! Dad! Sounds like it's coming from my room. What have you done to my room? This has been the best birthday I could ever have imagined. Nothing was missing. Everything was perfect.
0: I'm so glad you're happy.
1: And the best present of all was that Helga isn't around anymore. She doesn't care about me and my birthday. Yes, it's too bad about Helga. But isn't it amazing how my inner creativity has been unleashed lately? Yes, darling. And since I don't have to support Helga anymore, I've been able to give up selling beepers and return to my first love, the harp. My parents actually happy together, and they don't...